Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Me and Bear My Children, it's time for Must Have Seen TV, the podcast dedicated to the sitcoms of the 20th century from I Love Lucy, the news radio. I'm your TV guide, Brett White, and I'm also a reporter producer for Decider.com. This week, I am joined by comedian extraordinaire, Angela DeManti. Hello, Angela. Holy God. <laughs> <laughs> We're yeah. right into the quotes. Yeah. And I, I should also mention Cheers super fan. Angela Demetti. Yes, cheer superfan, uh, asterisk, follow the asterisk, down to the bottom of the page, horn dog for Ted Dance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, because I think, so if you want like a prequel to this episode, you can go back and listen to uh, Aaron Gold's Don't Mind If I Don't podcast, where Angela and I were the guests on his uh, Cheers episode. Because he did he, convincing. The conceit of his podcast is that he pinpoints things in pop culture that he is not well-versed in or maybe doesn't like or is averse to and then brings in experts in that thing to try to convince him whether or not to like it. And we are the experts. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that is basically true. Um, this week we are going to be traveling to October 25th, 1984. Teachers rolled the box office. I just called to say I love you by Stevie Wonder topped the charts. And NBC aired the Cheers episode Fairy Tales Can Come True. Angela. Also, the oh. anniversary of the Battle of Agincourt. What? <laughs> October 25th? Yes, that's St. Crispin's Day. Oh. For all those uh, Henry V Shakespeare nerds, <laughs> shout out. So Shakespeare, Stevie Wonder, and Fairy Tales Can't Come True. You must have seen Fairy Tales Can't Come True many times before today. It's true. Like, and I think <laughs> I watched it three times in the last two days. Oh, wow. Yeah, I've watched <laughs> it twice in the last couple days. Okay. Um. So... My history with Cheers, which if anyone wants to hear more about Cheers, you can go back and listen to the Thanksgiving episode I did last year with Taylor Moore, where we got uh, very drunk in the Kickstarter offices, and <laughs> our conversation diverged into, like, Ronald Reagan and the AIDS epidemic of the 80s. <laughs> it was great. Um, but on that tip, keeping the tradition alive, I am drinking Angry Orchard Hard Cider Green Apple tonight. And I am drinking... Um a rosé from a company called 
wine cube. It's <laughs> it's a box. It is um three liters of rosé. Oh, wow. I'm not going to drink all of that tonight. <laughs> So I watched Cheers. You can go back and listen to that episode and hear my Cheers origin story about how I was not prescribed painkillers after major surgery and and healed myself with the power of Cheers watching three seasons in three days on Netflix. Uh, yeah. So when I got to this, this is uh, season three. Yes. So when I, early season three. So I got to this one like after mainlining like the first two seasons in like two days. And I got to this and I remember, like, watching... I remember the first time I watched it very clearly. I think there are tweets... I think I you go through my tweet archives and find uh-huh. them, uh, about just how emotionally uh, over-invested, <laughs> like, tearful it was. <laughs> well, so this episode like, specifically. In rewatching a lot of it, like, I was noticing... Like, it does the things that Cheers does best. Uh-huh. And it's about that found family. And the way everyone watches out for Cliff... Yeah. It's just so sweet. Yeah. What is your uh Cheers history? My like Genesis? Yeah, Cheers yeah. Genesis. So that's interesting. So I remember what okay, I watched entirely too much TV growing up. Basically, yeah. Basically my parents, my dad would pick us up from school. We'd get home around 3:30 and then I would watch TV until bed. Yeah, like those were the days, like <laughs> six, seven hours of TV. And but like in between, like, you know, you have like three to five was like Disney afternoons. Yes. But then like five to eight were all the reruns and syndication. Yeah. Yep. And I remember it was like, oh, cheers is just on, but I was too young. Like I'd watch it, but I didn't realize, you know, the the majesty of it <laughs> yeah it's a really i mean like it i remember seeing it as a kid and being like this is not for me like it is one of the most aggressively brown you know, shows yeah like brand like very 21 it's and just, up i mean even like 30 and up honestly yeah, like <laughs> like that opening credit is all like, portraits it's from the 19th old. century <laughs> like it's even older than old yeah like it, it, i know it started uh you know in what 82 yeah, 82. September 82. Uh, but, like, it, like if you just saw that theme song, you'd be like, when is, like, this is from 100 oh, Yeah, this is the Depression ago. era. I didn't know they had television in the Depression. Like, Yeah, and so and so I, it, it didn't strike me. At, like, and I didn't understand the ladies' man aspect at yeah. all. Like, until I became a woman. <laughs> <laughs> and then when... It uh, was on Netflix and it was a buzz about like 30 year anniversary. I was like, okay, let's, I'm on board. And I decided to binge it. And because also it, it had just been dropped on Netflix. And, you know, there were all those articles about yeah. how it's the greatest pilot ever. Yep. And it was New Year's Day with Maddie, Mako, and I. And we just started binging it together. And, and, you know, we got to the fourth episode, Coach's Daughter. Uh, yeah, this is and, so early. Yeah, and, and then, like, it was New Year's Day, so we were hungover, watching Cheers, and then we started fanning our faces <laughs> from the heat in our cheeks as we felt our salty tears run down our face. And we're like, what? What is this doing? And then we, <laughs> What is happening to us? <laughs> like, like, 
coach. Oh, like, <laughs> oh my god! Uh, You've never seen a show pull out an ace that early. Totally. And like, game. yeah, it it just like astounded me. Then I'd been, and then I was babysitting a newborn, which means it was just a chat, a little thing that slept all day. So I would get paid to <laughs> sit in a room with a sleeping baby and watch hours of Cheers. <laughs> So I also, for work, I have watched Cheers for work. So we have both been paid to, to watch, watch Cheers. <laughs> what, so this is also a Halloween episode and also a Halloween episode of the podcast. Uh, I'm a Halloween maniac. What do you mean maniac? What's your definition? Uh, oh, I go uh, October 1st. I, uh, you know, change over all my social media to spooky shit. Paul Lind Halloween themed. Uh, I always have a costume. Sometimes I will have multiple costumes in a year, depending on how many things I am going to. Have you ever uh, been Ponce de Leon? No, uh, but I have been Space Clavin, okay. which was <laughs> which was a um, uh, a hybrid mashup of uh, Montgomery Scott, Scotty from Star Trek, okay, and and Cliff Clavin. Oh, that's... so I I got like a what? red engineer shirt. I got Scotty's shirt. And then I got a I got a mailman's jacket, but the one I bought off eBay was like a it was like a shinier nylon, like mm-hmm. a thick shiny like I meant, I meant like a rainproof okay '80s postman's jacket. So it was like a shiny post jacket that I then oh. like glued his patches to, and then I had the Star Trek engineer insignia pinned to that, and then I had a mustache and just drank beer. So <laughs> and then I also had the black pants that were too short with white socks. Oh oh, you have to. So what yeah. accent would you speak in? Oh, see, I think I just did straight up Cliff because I think that okay. trying to mangle a Scottish, <laughs> uh, Scottish, I, I hear the, uh, Scottish the Clippy Boston <laughs> accent and Scottish accent. Jeez, no, I can barely do I, a Cliff. I don't know. <laughs> wait, I feel like I would be like, uh, oh, uh, no, no, uh, I, 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 oh I, no, I, Captain, I get, get <laughs> Captain, I get the power. Somebody, <laughs> I don't, Denny got the okay. power. <laughs> Anyway, so I love Halloween. Uh, I also watch nothing but Halloween episodes of sitcoms, and I chart them all on Twitter. I saw your um, uh, flowchart. Yeah, oh, and then last year I did this insane Halloween flowchart where uh, you can find it if you Google Halloween sitcom flowchart. <laughs> you lot. mean there's not going to be a, a dozen? No, like, that believe it or not, I'm the only, cr- <laughs> the only crazy person that watched like 50 Halloween episodes and tracked which ones had parties or pranks like, or costumes. Halloween episodes are kind of always the best of a season. Uh, yeah. They are they are great. Uh there are some that only do like the cold open is Halloween and then, then the rest of the episode. That's not a Halloween episode. No. It's like fuck that. Um so what do you, are you how pro or anti Halloween are you? I love Halloween. I think October's my favorite month. But then also, it is a really good month. It's a good, like it's it's a great month, and also, you know, I like to bleed my October uh, into the first two days of November because th- that's Dia de los Muertos. And oh, I, oh. I I grew up in California with a large Hispanic population, and you know, Mexican culture is bleeds through our state in a wonderful, wonderful way. Yeah. So we, I grew up, you don't just celebrate Halloween. Then you, you build an altar to dead people. <sighs> and like, there were like family priest friends who had like, it was creep, 
the skeletons were creepy when I was younger. Now I love them and they're joyful yeah. and a celebration of all existence. Um, but he had these figurines that freaked me out. But now, like, I love it. And Coco, I got to rewatch Coco. But I, I love <laughs> the change of seasons. And, like, I love yeah. those. I love, like, the first couple weeks when people don't know how to dress. Yeah, I'm going through that now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they're like, I know, do I wear a sweater? Do I wear a chair? Oh, a scarf. And, and like, and. <laughs> Halloween just comes at like the per- the way the seasons change, and yeah. when Halloween comes, it's like this is not a summer holiday. This is not like it is the per like yeah like I could understand and I yeah it- it's just perfect. Halloween's perfect. <laughs> yeah, no one else is perfect. This week on Must FC TV, we're talking about the Cheers episode, Fairy Tales Can Come True. It is the fourth episode of season three and was written by Sam Simon and directed by James Burrows. Here is how Netflix describes the episode. Cliff meets the woman of his dreams at the bar on Halloween night, but is afraid of meeting her when he's not in costume. Angel, how accurate is that description? It's very accurate. And isn't it a metaphor for our lives? Uh, yeah. And how we all, all kind of wear masks. We're in like a social media costume. Yeah, we all have our social media masks. And See? we're afraid. We are afraid. <laughs> Cliff and Cliff and uh, Sharon O'Hare were just sliding into each other's DMs That's... in the 2018 version of oh, Cheers. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But then they have to and meet in like... real life behind, uh, without the mask of DMs. Yeah. So I think in terms of like Halloween episodes, this one is a good one because it could not take place at any other time. The yes. masks and the Halloween party are inextricable from the episode. Like, it, which... yeah, it's essential. Because it, there are other Halloween episodes where you could lift it and kind of put it anywhere. But this, yeah. you cannot. Like there is the um, there's the bar prank wars one in like season ten, mm-hmm. which like they do bar pranks often, so like that could happen in another time maybe. Oh well, uh, but then yes, because it did happen other times. Yeah, yeah. And then there's the one where Carla gets the haunted house, and Cliff goes and like spends oh. a night at her place, which aired at the end of October, I didn't but it's not it set at then. Halloween. But it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah, so it is like they should if they just added that twist of like it's also Halloween night, then ah, great, great Halloween episode, but they leave out that detail. So this one takes place at Halloween, has a plot that can only happen on Halloween, and it opens up not even with the cheers that's filmed in front of a live studio audience, it is Frazier reciting the Raven. And his eyes have all the seeming of a demon's that is dreaming. And the lamplight o'er him streaming throws his shadow on the floor and my soul from out that shadow that lies floating on the floor shall be lifted nevermore oh mm. boy doc mm. you tell great stories that was poe don't be modest it was great <laughs> that that was a little jarring where it's like oh we're, we're just diving in yeah it it, it, it felt unnatural but then when you see Frasier in yeah, that costume special. while well, we... Let's talk about okay, yeah, all uh, the costumes. Yes. Okay, let's do a breakdown. So we first see Frasier and he's dressed as the Mad Hatter. Mm-hmm. And it's a really good Mad Hatter costume. Yes. And and I think I... that 
like if you had to pick Alice in Wonderland as a theme, like yes, that is exact. Like I could see him as a white rabbit too, but the um, just the ridiculousness of that hat and that (laughs) giant bow tie, yeah, and him being hundred and ten percent committed to reciting that poem as phrase, like no winks, not a smirk. Yeah, the that juxtaposition is so good. And then uh, Diane is dressed as Alice, of yes. course, because they are still. Fraser joins in the season three premiere. Correct? Yeah, like this is yeah. his fourth episode. Yeah, so that's really crazy. That I mean, I, I I've seen this episode so many times recently, and I keep forgetting that. Yeah, this is early Fraser. I had to write my notes. This is early Fraser. Like this is. At least for them. Like, that <laughs> like, character is still in flux and, like, yeah. being shaped and defined. And him wearing that outfit and reciting Edgar Allan Poe is, like, you look back and you're like, yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah, it, it, that's what, it seems like Fraser's been on the, if you're just watching this episode jumping in cold, it feels like Fraser's been on the show forever well, yeah. because his character is so fully formed like, that's just from that one moment. Incredible to me. That, yeah. It's like, you know, fourth episode of the show itself had that yeah. ace card. <laughs> it's like, here's Coach's daughter. Jesus. And uh, this fourth episode of Frasch, that this is his coach's daughter. <laughs> yeah, this is this is Frasch's coach's daughter. Everyone. Yeah. Uh, so Coach <laughs> is dressed as a pirate. With a, complete with, a with like a parrot. stuffed bird on his shoulder. That's just like, it's like horizontal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's like a nice, like, yellowy, orange, silky shirt. And it's just... And it's really nice. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting because I associate pirates with being kind of flamboyant with their silky shirts yeah. and bright colors. And then he he has, like, the line about, like, defending um, stereotypes about yeah. whether or not a person's gay based on how they look. And like, yeah. oh. Interesting. Way to go. That's Sam. <laughs> Sam is dressed as a cowboy <laughs> because obviously he is. Oh, I, uh, oh God. I like the thirst is real. I can't. Oh God. Like it's beautiful. Like, um, it's a beautiful costume. He's behind the bar when you first see it. And he has that bandana on like, his neck he, just to see. Yeah. But I think the, the show's like stopper of, his cowboy costume was when he comes from around the bar and you see those are chaps he's wearing, right? Is that what you would call? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. 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 And like they're wide legged, but they, it's like they make his legs. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you, you're a big proponent of. Yeah. Should we, should we like give a background? (laughs) Mr. Ted. Oh, so the the thing is, is like this episode is going to highlight both of the men in cheers that we have crushes. Yeah. Like, (laughs) Like this is absolutely a showcase for your crush, and that costume, like the the chaps, the, like also like they frame like the front, they frame it so like the only part of blue jeans you see is around his dick, but if yeah. he turns, it's just around his ass. It's like yeah, chaps like, are like it's just like framed, like it's asking for <laughs> like you're you're asking. <laughs> Cheers. I mean, he Little knows what Jim he's Burrows, doing. He's asking us to ogle. Like, yeah. like there's no other way. Um, Sam is the man candy. So, um, yeah, it's Carla. Yeah, Carla's uh, pr- dressed. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> she's wearing it. She's wearing like the black and white stripes. Yeah. Norm is just Norm. Yeah. Because of course he is. Like, I get uh, it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I should dress as Norm. I don't, I don't understand why I haven't yet. Norm is yeah. Norm. And then Cliff is Ponce de Leon, but we can, we'll get to him when we yeah, get yeah. to him. He doesn't appear until five minutes in. Yeah. Which then you the know one. the episode is going to be about him. Yeah, Cheers usually does that. Like they they usually start with the B plot, and then the A plot doesn't start until a little bit later. Yeah, it's, it's usually this. It, it like hey, Cheers, I've decoded you. Yeah, <laughs> but but in a way, we're like you're like oh, someone's missing. That means it's going to be bigger. But they lay out like the foundation, like the background, and like kind of the ambience of where everyone else is, and yeah, it's the fertilizer the, before, for the main. Yeah, before. Uh, Cliff walks in, you get the scene between Frasier and Sam where, like, they're talking about, like, the Boston Pop. Like, they're setting up the B-plot of Frasier's going to be going away on business yeah. and Sam's going to take Diane to this concert. Like, like, you know that's happening. And and it's actually, like, a lot of exposition, but yeah. in, like, a fun, brilliant way. And then, like, you know, um, like, there's uh, that scene where scene let, where Sam's talking about how much he loves the Boston Pops. Then he goes away, and Frazier and Diane have that aside, like... You know, sometimes I think that Sam is actually pretending to be less intelligent than he really is. But how intelligent would someone have to be to successfully pretend to be that dumb? (laughs) Boy, I'm not even sure that I could pull it off. Oh, yes, you could. It's a four-line scene. Yeah. But but it feels richer because they yeah. laid out everything, and then with all the B and C plots, you can just, like, tap into it and have a four-line scene that feels much bigger. And it's also, like, it feels longer, too, because the, the flow, the pace of Cheers is so monoscene-y, to use an improv term. Yeah, yeah. Or, like, it's almost... Yeah, it is, like... They're all because it doesn't feel like if they had like cut to that four line scene and then cut away, it would have felt more feel... like short. But yeah. since it like since everything flows in, because also around this time is when there's that really good line of like when Diane is. I'm sorry, Carla, if we offended you with our public display of affection, but try to understand. Fraser Crane has the same effect on me that cheap Chianti and dice hanging from a rearview mirror have on you. <laughs> Boy, you got a bat. Like, Carla is not featured in this episode. She has maybe, no, like, yeah. four times where she has a commentary and she's full Carla. And you're like, oh, and there's that satisfaction of, like, yes, this is exactly how that character would react in this situation. And then she disappears for... The other 24 minutes of the episode. (laughs) But, like, she can just flow. Like, it's really, like, in theater they call it French scenes. And French scenes are the same location, but, like, it's focused on two different characters. I'm probably totally botching that for um, (laughs) experts of French scenes listening to this. But, like, whenever there are, like, a focus on two different people, that's a scene in French theater. So cheers. So yeah, cheers is stacked with that shit. Yeah, well, because <laughs> they have to, and they they find that like it's musical almost, where like there are 
Like, like in a symphony, like you hear motifs uh, of characters and then they come back and they flow. And the, but like, it doesn't have to be saturated in mm-hmm. one character or one sound or one theme. It also creates a, I mean, it also like creates a place where you want to go because it does feel like the flow of cheers feels warm. <laughs> like when yes. I think of like an arrested development or an office, like the way those shows are edited, it's, I mean, it's a personal thing. And I still think that both those shows are great, but they're edited like so sharply and precisely. I don't know. It feels pricklier in a way, which is kind of also the, the, the humor of an arrested like development. Yeah. It's very much like sharp bursts. Whereas cheers, like a cheers or, you know, some early friends, uh, they, they have this flow to them that make you like, kind of just want to sit in the room and listen to these people talk. I think it's also related to, the way the premise of the show is constructed. And yeah. I think there is like a th- through line between the shows you mentioned, but also between Taxi, yes. Cheers, yeah, yeah. and then fast forwarding a couple decades, Community and The Good Place. Yeah. Because all of what all those shows have in common are people who kind of reached a, an end of a rope in their lives. Yeah. And that are kind of stranded in what would assume to be a depressing place. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all, all those shows. Yeah. And, and then there, then it's really focused on like these people who kind of feel like failures and outcasts. What do we owe to each other? What do we owe? To quote like, the good place. Sh- yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. And it's about like, and how do we get better with yeah. the people we interact with? All of those shows are at their core about that. Yeah, and there has to be a warmth in that, or else it's nihilism, right? And Cheers is so not that. <laughs> but the thing is, like, if you just said the premise of Cheers or Taxi or Community, or you'd be like, or "Oh my god!" Place, it'd be like, "Yeah, oh, that's that sounds awful." Bleak. And <laughs> yeah, it, and it's about that community and that family, and like knowing when you go there. Everyone's gonna know your name. Yeah, that's all I want. Um, So then we get Cliff's entrance, which I have written down in my notes. And nice legs. (laughs) You never see that much legs of Cliff. Cliff is dressed as Ponce de Leon because this is Cliff's Florida season. (laughs) I mean, I feel like it goes beyond. Like it was. It's it's like a series. Like it's like it's. (sighs) He never stops. It's a really great runner. Like it's kind of amazing that. They did like I don't I don't know you probably know the sitcom landscape better than I do of that time but is there like that an ongoing bit like that in anything? I mean, you had, like, runners of, like, Mary Tyler Moore. Like, Mary Richards always had horrible parties. And then by the end of the series, they would actually comment on that, which okay. is kind of meta. But there's a thing, like, Cliff going to Florida in between in between like, one and two. you never see it. And then he just doesn't stop talking about Florida forever. I mean, I even think that his, the retirement episode of Frasier, is he retiring to go to Florida? <laughs> like, so Cliff is dressed as Ponce de Leon, and uh, that... Starts a whole like runner about uh, him and Coach have an exchange uh, <laughs> about, his, about ears. his ears, which they do. Like when Cliff takes off his little like col- uh, conquistador helmet, 
his ears are really protruding out. It gets very in a noticeable. way you never notice, right? Yeah, yeah, in a way you never notice. And that because like the domino mask he's wearing is like did Ponce de Leon even wear a mask? That might just be a I, I think it was just of the Cliff was insecure. Yeah. And and then Cliff Oh, I don't know, Coach. I happen to be very proud of my big ears. I mean a lot of women consider them erogenous zones during uh, heavy petting. <laughs> I love your clip impression also I, I love being able because on our last podcast i horned out so much to ted danson and you just wanted to talk about john rassenberger and this is such a showcase it. for him oh i know this like at this point so like first time watching it first time through i already like obviously i had an affinity for cliff the character from like I, I think he's adorable. How because I have a type. How at what point in the series did you realize like, oh, I've got a bad for Cliff? Oh, I think that's probably right away. Okay, okay. So, so Cliff is your Sam. Like, but also, but also, like in terms of the character, I would most want to play on Cheers. Like Cliff, hands down. Okay. Like, yes. Sp- speaking of like a comedic performer, I'm like God, that's such a fun role for me. Like I would love that. Also, I feel like. If Cliff were in the world of improv and that character, he would be the walk-on. He'd come yeah. and be like, oh, uh, do you know about this fact? Yeah. And then, like, or just remove himself. Like That's what, I, yeah, that's what I love. Or it's like, I'm just going to add a little spice and get out. And so by the time you get to this episode, like, I was so deep in it. And then, like, to hear this episode from 1985... Talking about whether or not Cliff was gay, like, sent up so many, like, yeah, yeah, tell, ding, ding, ding. Because like, my, you have a far different perspective on that, I want to know. <laughs> well, like, I was, you know, I knew that he wasn't going to be gay. Uh, that would have been incredible, That would have been, like, what, that would have been history-making to have a yeah, serious regular. Yeah, that would like, what, like, <laughs> New York Times article. Yeah. Major, like, a sitcom in 1985. Yeah. So I, but like even the conversation around it, I still like even now. I'm like I love that so much. Just like the sad, like sad sack Cliff can't get a date is a, a thing that I also enjoy for some reason. Like I just find it really, like he's so pathetic. But also I do think like hey, you can make a case for gay Cliff Clavin. Which if I ever do write my fanficy. Uh, modern day revival of Cheers, <laughs> you know, twenty five years after the finale, I would totally have Cliff with a man. Yeah, like boom, I could absolutely like if Cheers w- was just launched today. He, I feel like maybe you'd make him older, like because everyone's supposed to be in like their early thirties when Cheers starts, which is also mind blowing. So weird to, to think of it, like yeah, like they were all in their early to mid thirties, and it's like what? Like that's, that's what crazy. that looks like. Because they all look like, in my head, none of them age over the 11 years of Cheers. Yeah, <laughs> they're all just 40 when it starts, and, and then, then like, and then 42 40. when it ends. Even Sam, like, I, like yeah. part of me is like, wait, what do you mean, Ted, that you started this show when you were younger? <laughs> like, yeah. it baffles me. But, like, if if no Cheers had existed and and it was born today... I feel like you would make Cliff a little bit older than 30. Like, maybe he would be a 40-year-old mailman. Yeah, which he does admit in this one. He is middle-aged. Okay. Uh, oh, my God. Middle-aged has also changed. 
<laughs> but then, yeah. like, also, like, maybe him, like, being raised in an environment where he was clueless and not primed to yeah examine that part of himself and then realize Which is what like, cliff is yeah and then you, also like, realized, even what... oh, like i have a this horrible fucked up relationship with my mother that affected <laughs> everything and all of my expectations in life and then like it'd be this incredible story of someone in 2018 being middle-aged and realizing their sexuality yeah See, that's what... So I need to write this Cheers revival. Uh, <laughs> well, the way that, that dude wrote that Seinfeld 9-11 script. Like, yeah, that's... I Just yeah. do I've that. Like, and people like, oh my God, Cliff. <laughs> Cliff, or Cheers 2018. It's a coffee shop now. No, oh, uh, no it, it would be... It would have been a coffee shop for 15 years, and then now it would be a revival speakeasy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thing. Speakeasy. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. But then, like... As uh, marijuana legalization comes in, like that would also play a role. More, which yeah. would change the uh, total tone of everything. <laughs> People be so, so we get along. We get along back and forth. Like she, like Cliff goes away, uh, and they all like all the guys in the bar really start ragging on what like they actually they, they bring in those like extras or like they have those characters one of those like, guys has name one of those guys one of those guys is in every episode i can't remember what his name is but uh, it's, the, it's the actor's first name yeah yeah and then the other guy is just like that's this is the only episode he got more lines which i'm feeling if i'm the other guy i'm like why ain't i getting that line i'm here every week actually i counted <laughs> how many lines each of them got <laughs> because i was very curious like are they going to give them more yeah, than an more. under 5 and I realized they probably split the lines between two characters so they didn't have to pay. Oh, that's good. Oh. So each of them has three lines. Wow, that's really sneaky. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, they did this specifically so they did not have to pay those guys. <laughs> but they actually do come out and say like, hey, is Cliffy gay or what? And I remember like watching it the first time being like, it's still shocking to hear an 80s TV show just flat out, like not say funny, not say like, like you know. And make like a motion with their wrist or whatever. And then Coach has this thing like, which, you know, inter-series continuity, the boys in the bar from season one. Yes. Where they went through this whole gay panic thing and Coach acts like he actually learned the lesson of that episode where he's like, no, no, he's your best friend. Is he gay or what? I can't believe what I'm hearing. You can't tell a gay guy by his appearance. We had an outfielder on the Red Sox, Duke Roberts. I mean, he never got married. He never went with girls. He even wore those fancy Italian shoes. And he lived with the guy who was a florist. And Duke wasn't gay. Yes, he was, Coach. <laughs> he was? You think you'd like to meet Cliffy? Oh, it's so like part of me's like, uh oh, are we going backwards? Like, this is delightful. Also, yeah. go back and watch Ted Danson open his seltzer bottle, take a sip. Like, he's listening to everything. Yeah. And there's no wink, there's no like sly thing, but he genuinely, like, it's an aside, like, um, he was gay. Yeah, <laughs> where like he's not trying to be smart about it. He's just like, actually, and then like, just like, and also not to embarrass his former teammate, and not to embarrass 
coach. Like, there's this warmth of, like, yeah. I just want you to know. Yeah, this speaks to what I also noticed watching this episode again, because I'm also currently watching a whole lot of multicam sitcoms that are on right now. Okay. Because we're actually in this weird, kind of great renaissance of multicam sitcoms, because the Connors is back. The Connors is actually really good, I which need... is a surprise. Also, are they going to do a Halloween episode in the Yes. Oh, yeah. Yep, okay. next week. Okay. Uh, also, like, Murphy Brown is back. But then also there's new ones, The Cool Kids, Happy Together, and The Neighborhood. And they're all really fun and really good. But there is this difference to the performing style, which... So there's what people think sit- multicam sitcoms are like, and which we, is... We, we create that picture in our heads. But it's... Yeah, like, like it's, the, Yeah, go, go ahead. It's like, you know, the big... It's why people, like, make fun of Big Bang Theory and 2 and a Half Men, like, the, 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 like, Nickelodeon and Disney multicam kids sitcoms where everyone's cheating out to the audience and it's all really loud and we're making sure that we're getting the joke across. I'm gonna be louder so you get yeah. the joke. Yeah. So if you, were, if you were doing this exchange on one of those shows, it would be like, uh, actually, you know, Coach, he was gay. Oh, well, do you think he'd want to go out with Cliffy? Like, yeah, it would be like, it, well, like this was just, it, it felt real. Yeah. All of the, it, it's what drives me a little bit crazy when people are so dismissive of multicam sitcoms, because it's like, there's no reason why all of the acting styles have to be that exaggerated. Cause you go back and watch this and there are moments of ex- exaggeration in the, I mean, John Ratzenberger clicks his heels at one point. Oh, he does a bellhop. He does yeah. a bellhop in excitement. Uh, this is at about... Um, he gets a date. Uh, if you want a timestamp, at uh, 13 <laughs> minutes and 28 seconds in... Oh, I gotta make that gif, actually. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, he's trying to play it cool. Sam is like, being like, that was great. And, and 13.28 is when he says, like, I'll give you one, two, three. And he goes crazy. And he, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, I don't remember ever seeing a bellhop where someone clicks <laughs> their heels on television. Yeah, and, and there was just something so pure. So jubilant. Yeah, it, it was pure. Like, yeah. And it also feels like that moment of big heightened feels earned because everything else is just like so gradual. There and is, or this, it's so easy. And and Cliff's like trajectory, like he doesn't get that way. And, and to see yeah. like him of of all the characters, like I could understand like joy from every character just to see him. Like, see himself as an attractive human being. Like, yeah. And the thing is, every one of us, maybe not Sam alone, is caught (laughs) in, like, our own heads. We get sick of ourselves. We don't see how other people see us. And And Cliff is always being, I mean, he solos with his mother. He, you know... Carla's always picking on him, like... I mean... The guys are always ragging the him. Point, the, the number of times his close friends refer to him as a boob... Yeah. ...is just like, oh, Cliff. Well, there's all... There's... there's The thing I also love about Cliff, and this is the thing I always get to, is that, first of all, Cliff chose a Halloween costume where he wore tights. Yeah. Which I love. And then also, Cliff uh, wears Speedos. <laughs> 
which comes up multiple times yeah. over the course of the series. And it's you always are, a thing course. that everyone's always like, ru- ru- everyone always rips him about it. Like in the um, in the season nine or ten Halloween episode, they actually say like one of the pranks they did at Gary's Old Town Tavern last year was sending him down there nothing but his speedos. And they were like, yeah, they didn't handle that. And he was, and he he says something like, uh, well, yeah, I was making a, a scary face. And it's like, oh, see. There's there's a there's a slice of cliff that's like he actually is super comfortable in his body, which is so it's such an interesting choice. And I think it is in this episode with him choosing to wear a Ponce de Leon costume, which is very like showy. For him especially. Yeah. And so I like, do, it, it does it's show such a like, cool thing. His like internal mind. And Yeah, like he he feels good, but he still gets like swatted down a lot by like, society. But, like, I feel like there's something, like, he, he keeps talking about Florida. It doesn't matter that everyone else hates it. And, like, <laughs> isn't that, like, an equivalent to being, like, yeah, I'm going to wear these fucking Speedos and rock them. I'm not doing this for anyone but myself. Yeah, I like learning all these useless... He's very much like... He's a very weirdly confident guy, except in this like area where he falls apart. There's just something where he's not afraid to be who he is. Yeah, to let the freak flag fly. Yeah. And when uh, he dresses in a suit... Oh, yeah. And, like, then, and then you see him sit down and you see, oh, that suit... That hemline is also too short yeah. for you. Yeah. And you're also still wearing white socks. Yeah. Yep. But it's like everything else. Oh, I mean, Clifford's so close. So he sits down at the bar and he sits down next to a woman dressed as Tinkerbell. And he's like talking about Florida. And then she, there's like a beat. And then she says, she says to him, Florida oranges are delicious. Which is like the most Cliff specific pickup line Ever? Ever? Like, I, like I, someone I else wants to talk about Florida. Magic sack where I could just pick, oh, what is the most perfect line to hit on this guy? And, yeah. like, that that's, like, of course, like, also, there's such boldness because they're sitting with their backs to the studio audience. Yeah, they're sitting on that side of the bar. But, like, and it's, like, weird and uncomfortable. And the way that they have to film it, they have to film their backs because... They they can't film their fronts because there's no set. There's, yeah. But then there's this trust because you know Cliff is going to do like a full body turn. <laughs> yeah, which he does. Which he does. <laughs> and, well, and also it makes her so much more mysterious too, which her introduction into this, I mean, she's wearing a mask and you only see her back and she says that one mysterious line. You're in Cliff's head a little bit. Yeah. Because you're seeing her the way he sees her, of like, she's this mystery figure. And, like, you, you <laughs> don't really know, but if you're going to entice Cliff, I mean, that's... Like... Also, <laughs> her her being able, her immediately guessing, well, you're Ponce de Leon, and then that's when his response is... I guess it's Ponce de Leon. Oh, the funny youth guy that discovered Florida. Would you marry me and bear my children? <laughs> and like, with such urgency, it, like, it, like the way he says that line feels like 
he was submerged underwater. He was <laughs> about to drown. Yeah. And, then was, and now he's coming up. <laughs> and it just, oh. it's so, also, I find this episode just incredibly sweet. Oh, yeah. For a Halloween, it's sweet and spooky, but mostly sweet, which is interesting because it is a Halloween. And, episode. like, but, but it's just like, but in terms of Halloween, they do not fear being genuine. Yeah, uh, while the masks are on. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, uh, so then, like, we also get a little bit of a pickup of the Sam and Diane thing, or, like, Frazier has to go to Chicago last minute, and uh, he suggests asking Sam, which is, like, a big step forward for him. Awesome. Right? Frazier, you're only four episodes in. Yeah. And you know all that background. What? Yeah. Like, you because met he was Diane's therapist. an institution because of this guy? Yeah. But it is like nothing happens, which is a very good progression for the Sam and Diane arc. Uh, nothing like, physical this happens, first... but their flirting is still like oh, yeah. it's all, 10 for 10. It's all still definitely there. But actually, the fact that they like go to the Boston Pops, nothing happens. They come back and they even remark like, By the way, how did you like our first outing with no promise or threat of sexual encounter? You're not out that door yet. <laughs> he likes he spooks her. It's a Halloween episode. It is, but like he has no grin. There's no nudging aside in his tone or face or anything, and he just says, "Night's not over yet." And yeah. That I mean that did not affect me as much as an earlier incident in the episode. But like where like <laughs> you hear Ted Danson talk on podcasts about how uncomfortable it was coming into yeah. the role and how he needed a girl to be like naked in front of him to realize that she was into him. And like and he talks about like I needed a girl to be naked and, and then I would ask her to marry me like where it's like <laughs> but he plays this role I know it's like you should have won an Emmy every year if that is the case. Like that's crazy how that's insane good he is. How natural he is in this role too. Yeah, and and especially like all the flirting with Diane, he does not crack a smile where it's just like, oh my god. <laughs> like there's a point I want to say it's at eleven minutes and thirty two seconds <laughs> where. Diane says, like, oh, well, well, they agree to go to the Boston Pops. And Diane says, oh, well, like, it's not. And he's like, oh, it's a date. And she says, it's not. Like, imagine, you know, going out with a woman and having no hope of any mm. sexual thing happening. Like, what would what would you call that? And he looks at her and he goes, a first. <laughs> and, like, at that point, I wanted to, like... <laughs> Do a, I don't know, two-legged high jump, <laughs> where like like Cliff, not like Cliff, yeah, where like basically like I jump and I am straddling Ted Danson's face, <laughs> <laughs> like like there's no like he he says it so seriously with I can't even open my eyes <laughs> with yeah, and it's like yeah, thirty years of streaming like, service, like it cuts through all that stuff. Yes. The signal's still being broadcast. And, and like, and, I, and he says this 
thing where, like, he says it in a way where it's almost like, you know we both still want to fuck. Yeah. And, like, with just, like, this, like, he's like, I'm, I'm not convincing you. I'm just stating a fact, which is incredible. And I, I don't understand how Ted Danson, like, will go on and on about how uncomfortable he was playing Sam Malone, how he was just, like, <laughs> a goof and, like, insecure. So then, like, the the date ends. Like, they're the last ones in the bar. And Sam has to unplug the jukebox. Well, they make a plan. never assume any kind of... Well, one, you never hear music on Cheers because that would disrupt all the scenes, even though I assume yeah. in a, a bar would be playing music all the time. Yeah. It would be playing music and so smoky and no lights. Yeah. And that's why Cheers is the best bar because it is quiet, bright, and no yeah. smoke. <laughs> I want to go to that bar where I can hear conversations yeah. with people. Yes, please. Uh, but no, like, but also it's so sweet that he does go to the jukebox and play Muse, like, just wants to help his friend. Yeah. And be the best uh, wingman. So they make the plan to come back, you know, the next night without their masks on. Mm-hmm. And so then so then we get, like, the cut ahead to the next night. Oh, but well, walks in. we get that moment, though, after they agree, because Sam is hanging out at the bar, and it's just them. And he's, yeah. he's patiently, wait, he's taking his chaps off. It's, um... <laughs> Nine minutes and 51 seconds into the episode where you see that his chaps are off, but you see his full legs because he's propped up on the bar. (laughs) (laughs) But then you see this moment of Cliff trying to play it cool. Yeah. And Sam, come on. Like, and then there's just a joy explosion. Yeah, I love, like, John Ratzenberger does this really cool, like, she leaves, and he's still in his Ponce de Leon costume, and he's just, like, swagging around, like, yeah, you know, whatever. And then Sam even, he says, like, you know, if I didn't know any better, I'd say you were, like, a yeah. really cool dude. And he's like, what are you talking about? And then we get the, and then he light thinks, it out okay. on three. Three. Three, two, one. Hooray, I got a date! <laughs> a little boy on Christmas. Yeah. So the next night, so November 1st, we're now in November 1st. Los Muertos. So yeah. Sam and Diane went to see the Boston Pops on Dia de los Muertos. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Tie that in. Fireworks. Dia los Muertos fireworks in Boston. That's how they celebrate. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Cliff's suit. So. Okay. I I love that his hemline is the same as his. That's all John Ratzenberger, too. I just saw, like. I see it. He decided to, he was like, you need to hem the pants so you can see. It's like an old, like, Laurel and Hardy. I think, like, it's one of those old vaudeville, like, physical comedian things of, like, if you can see the more. That's why Michael Jackson always wore, you know. Because the little old Laurel and Hardy? Yeah. Well, just because, like, it it accentuates, it accentuates, like, the movement of the feet. And he created the role. Oh, yeah. He bullshitted his way through the audition and got that role. Like,. Because he was like, oh, you have a know-it-all the bar? And, like, to watch this episode specifically and notice the hemline of his pants and and realize, like, you know, he wasn't a series regular for the first season. Like, he just was a fucking pioneer and was like, (laughs) I'm I'm going to create this character. And I'm going to muscle my way onto this great show. 
Like, and then people are like, yup. Because he, he just knew it. And then, and seeing him in a suit and having those ridiculously hemmed pants was like, this is you. Like, <laughs> and thinking like, this episode on like a supporting character that is completely focused on him came as a result of that hard work of like oiling up the writers. (laughs) Yeah. Of like, of like spending two years really like honing this character, you know, bullshitting your way through an audition where you're like, yeah, by the way, and in his head, like, I know I'm not going to get Norm, but do you have this kind of character? Like that is incredible. And also to feel like, you know, he would never go up, like, he'd never be right for Norm. He'd never be right for Sam or Fraser or anyone. He is yeah, yeah. just, like, that character is John Ratzenberger's wheelhouse. Um, but I love, he, he's wearing, like, a three-piece, it's like a gray navy, like, it's like a dark three-piece suit. It looks yeah. really nice, fits him well. Like, <laughs> I like a good dressed-up Cliff. Oh god, what's my problem? Uh, but also, the, the, the other thing is, the other thing is, is when he walks in, the audience responds as if he is a teenage daughter on a TGIF sitcom coming down for prom. Because <laughs> they all, like, there's wolf whistling, there is applause, like, people are like, ooh, look at Clint. When like, he's in the suit. Yeah, when he comes into the suit. Also, I think this is, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this is the only episode where we see him in two outfits that are not his uniform. Oh, we never see him in the uniform in this episode. Like, I think that's the... That might be, yeah. Like, that's also really fascinating. Yeah, wow. It's also just crazy. He has the A-plot and the Sam and Diane stuff. It's honestly like a C... Like, it is so minor in this episode. It's like a couple of exchanges. It's all Cliff. Yeah. <laughs> Which is so weird. They, like, sidelined... Ted Danson and Shelley Long to be like, well, this is the Cliff episode. I mean, obviously. like they still were sprinkled like they're so hot for each other. Okay. Yeah, but <laughs> but honestly, like that was maybe three minutes of twenty five yeah. minutes, which is crazy. Uh, so Cliff shows up and he's like playing it cool, but then he tries to show how suave he is by going over and lighting a lady's cigarette at the bar. <laughs> And he gets there and just melts. Like, he can't do like, it. like it's like he had a stroke just around. Yeah. So he goes into Sam's office and then has this freak out where we then get another thing I love, which is Norm actually admitting that he is Cliff's best friend. That scene, like, it's not just action. It's like I'm going to explain the motivation behind my action where like, I am your friend. And he says like a lot of of people have been talking a lot of things about you in this bar. And, you know, as your best friend, I've had to like speak up for you. And it's like, cause there's a, there's a turn that happens in most sitcoms when they go 11 years, when characters get whittled down to like a couple of points, you just hit hard and it, there comes a turn when every joke about Cliff is about him living with his mother, and even Norm kind of distances himself from him. Yeah, because so it's that's see fucking early, rough. It's to see early on in season three when Norm is like full on saying, like, listen, as your best friend, and it like means a lot. It's so nice. Like, and he still rags on him, obviously. And, like, but it's like so and you sweet. see 
Cliff sitting in Sam's chair, so you really see those white socks. <laughs> and, like, you just see, like, Norm being a fucking good friend. And yeah. then him also saying, like, there's a woman out there who's as weird as you. Like, I give it, <laughs> like, I'm going to be so pissed off if you have a shot. And it's played by George Bond's wife. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, is the like, Tinkerbell is George Wentz's wife, which is who like, also voices Vera in, in the all Thanksgiving Vera's... episode, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, crazy. Like, there's just something. And also, what a sign of friendship yeah. for someone to say, there's this woman who's as weird as he. Like, and <laughs> I feel like that's just someone who, that's a good friend who understands your weirdness and yeah, what you yeah. deserve. And and, so and, then, uh, and there's like so much also like with Sam defending Cliffy when they all think he's gay, and then like yeah. him also like really supporting him when she leaves the bar. And there's just there's a lot actually. I'm realizing like of the way male healthy male friendships work. Oh yeah, totally. That <sighs> that's why I, I, I cite that on a lot yeah, of things. That's. I just lost so much. <laughs> so Cliff goes back out. He's like, I'm going to wait. Six hours pass. He stands he's on his By that Indian beer. statue. Yeah, and he at folds first, his arms just like he's posed exactly like yeah. the Indian statue, like left, right, over. Left yep. arm over right. Uh. So now he's got like a like a pile of empty beer steins at his feet. A fourth one in his hand. He goes and sits down at the bar. This is fascinating to me. He goes and sits down at the bar, and he tells this story about... You know what my nickname was in high school? No, you never told me this. It's because I didn't have one, coach. <laughs> I tried to get one started, you know, made it up myself. Courteous Cliff. <laughs> Courteous Cliff. As long as you're making it up yourself, couldn't you have done a little better? Uh, I didn't want to arouse suspicion, Nanny. And the way it is shot, just the first time I noticed it, it's like uh, I'm on three in my third Angry Orchard now, so a little bit. <laughs> it's uh, I'm, I'm on and over the place. My words are so yeah. fine. Um, so it's like James Burroughs walked in and sat the camera down on the bar. Because that shot, it is so low. It's honestly like you are literally like, it's like your head is on the bar and you're looking up at them kind of. It's deeper into the set than they usually ever shoot. And it's just for that one little monologue. It's a level, and it it adds this level of like theatricality and intimacy that you don't normally see in any of these shows. These shows normally like keep their distance. Even like tight shots, you can tell... The camera's far away, and it's, like, zoomed in. Yeah. Like, it's... it's yeah. Not, yeah. But this... In this one scene, the camera is, like, physically... It looks like it is literally placed on the bar. It's, like, eye level with the bar, and you're looking kind of up and over at Cliff. You're mostly focusing on Norman Cliff as in profile. And it's, like, a very arty shot for this show. It makes me wonder, like, did they do that in front of an audience? Was that a pickup shot later? Also, like, at what point, it, it speaks to the genius of James Burroughs to be like, this is the, I don't know, 50th episode of this show he's done. And all of a sudden he's like, let's shoot it this way. Yeah, it's fascinating. It's, 
It, it, Why this scene? It's so cool. Yeah. And then, I mean, there are two episodes on Cheers where they built a set for, like, I guess it would be downstage, right? Yeah. Where they built a wall so they could film it, like, from the perspective of Sam's office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's jarring. It's, you notice it. But this, that was a little more subtle. Yeah, because I've seen this episode so many intimate. times. Yeah, and it really does, for that one, like, nickname thing, it does feel like you are crowding around him and hearing him tell a very personal thing. Which is why this shit is art. <laughs> Damn it. Um, <laughs> uh, it's, I mean, like, it's at this point that in my notes, I just wrote so human and underlined it. <laughs> because it's just the way these characters all act and talk to each other and behave around each other is just so uh, intricate, intimate. It's just so cozy and well, realistic. Intimate, and I think of, in terms of the coziness and the familiarity, I think of how, how Carla is not... She, you know, she's in a minute of this episode. Yeah. But the way she flows in and flows out is perfect. Yeah. And it, and it feels like, and especially, like, you know, of course I have memories of my childhood and being part of a family that all lived together. And now I babysit three girls and it's this flow and intricacy and basically babysitting three kids is like being at cheers it's like cheers yeah yeah. where you have like these like there are routines you know like like if you put like any character from cheers you put them in a different situation you know how they're going to react and that is when you are enmeshed with a family yeah and (sighs) And the way, like, you, and, like, the way when we get really close family members that we hate because we're angsty teenagers and we want to set off and push buttons and we know how to do that, you know, like, so does the way everyone interacts on Cheers. Like, it is family dynamic. And and Carlos sometimes is just, like, that four-year-old younger, youngest sister He's just a bitch to everyone and, like, wants to, like, is provoking people for the sake of provoking. Because <laughs> she's bored, needs something to do. Yeah. So then uh, there's a call into the bar and Coach answers it and he's like, well, there's no Pond Stanley on here. It turns out she's, like, at the phone booth outside and has just been anxious this entire time waiting to come in because she's nervous. And I think that her being nervous, but that shot of her coming down the stairs. Yeah. And you just see her feet. And like I don't I don't think when they started the show it was intentional to have like because you like throughout the show you see people's feet going down those stairs and there's this anticipation. Yeah. And it's- almost like playing with a fantasy of like what's gonna happen. And and they tapped into that, yeah. and like and that device was used throughout the show in this like incredible way where it's like okay, this is my norm, this is my everyday, 
this this is my life, but seeing a stranger's shins and abs like <laughs> the world of possibilities. Yeah. Which is nuts. <laughs> so she finally comes in, like they see each other for the first time. Uh, he introduces himself as I'm Club Klufen. <laughs> I'm Cliff Claven. I'm here, you share. Sharing the hair. I mean, I'm Sharon O'Hare. Like, you see her strut, like, it, like, you never see this character again. And it's so yeah. masterful to see her wrestle with, like, you can see her wrestling with insecurity and her identity and her name. Yeah. Uh, which is so deep, honestly. She can't, she's trying to, like, get her name out. The most basic thing about her. Yeah. She's trying to, like, enunciate it to say who I am. And there's something and beautiful you, and vulnerable about it. And as you said, episode. we never see her again. So we can, so, like, that's basically the episode. Uh, if you, if you, if this was a 2018 show, this would begin what we call a story arc. <laughs> and you might call? actually see her again. Like, the, I uh, think that's the most disappointing part of this episode is you never see her again. He he does get a recurring love interest that male that male carrier lady who's in one episode and then she comes back a couple seasons later, but he like never gets a steady yeah. girlfriend. Like he maybe loses his virginity to that girl. Like that's the other thing is like Cliff also might be a virgin because there's that episode where he gets like tied yeah. to the bed or whatever. It's interesting because I feel like Fraser was not he wasn't Sam and Diane, and when. Say, or when Fraser and Diane broke up, after a while, the writers were basic. Like, B.B. Newworth showed up as, like, in an opener scene. Right, yeah. And, and, and she didn't show up until, I think, a season later, when, like, he, like after we had, like, established Fraser, who he was, not dating Diane. And then the writers were like, basically, let's get Fraser a girlfriend. And they did that. But if we. Cliff. It just he, seems he, like he there's, yeah. From a writing standpoint, I want to see what Cliff's girlfriend is like or boyfriend. Uh, like that would be such a rich goal. Like a like, Cliff breakup the, episode. The, yeah, and and the ideal match for Fraser was absolutely live, and yeah. you got to explore like all of their dysfunction, all their psychology of why it worked and why it didn't. And like Fraser was free. He was the dumped boyfriend. Yeah. To do that and really treat the cast as an ensemble worthy of delving into like complicated aspects of character. Uh, are you ready for some must have facts about this episode? The troubles are all the same. You wanna be where everybody knows your name. You wanna go where people know. People are all the same. You wanna go where everybody knows your name. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you wanna do is second guess the ring. 
At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Uh, so the ratings for this episode, uh, 19.8 million people That's, watched this episode. I, I don't chance. even understand. <laughs> Yeah, Compared it to was how uh, TVs watch that. It was number fourteen for the week, <laughs> with that many people. Um, so for the entire, <laughs> it was number fourteen. For, well, like, how, wait, how many million people? Nineteen point eight. It was fourteenth for the week. I miss those days. <laughs> uh, so, but okay, okay. <laughs> for the season, so for the ratings for the season, so it was number twelve overall for the season. It was tied with a show called Hotel. Yeah, that like, I should have done what shows on. were before this? So the top five shows of this TV season were number five was Family Ties. Yeah. Four was 60 Minutes. Yeah. Three was The Cosby Show. Like 60 Minutes shouldn't even be included, but okay. Uh, two, three was Cosby Show. Two was Dallas. And number one was Dynasty. So you this was like the 80s. epic squalling, like, okay. This was the 80s when, like, taste was questionable. <laughs> I mean, like, that's a very kind way of putting it. Well, it's like family sitcom. The '80s is a uh, wasteland is too harsh of a term, but the '80s is just it's family sitcoms. A palooza. I mean, that's why too many cooks exist. Yeah, it's why the '80s is kind of this big gap in my knowledge because I don't really care about family sitcoms. I care about workplace and found family ones. But, but, in the so, 80s, you've got like Night Court, Golden Girls, and Cheers. And that is that's about it. it. And yeah. Taxi, but that's like 70s, 80s. So it's wild. Um, on IMDb, 278 users rated this episode an 8.2. Would you go higher, lower, or is that right on the money? I would give this like a 9.2. Okay. I would go higher. So... The, so I'm trying to figure out the demographics of people who rate things on IMDb. Oh, it is, uh, man, it is like... Uh, and how are the rest of the episodes of the season rated? Is Oh, see, I wish I should have looked that up. Okay, so that's concerning. Because also I remember when I was binging for the first time at Cheers, I would look at what the... Re- the ratings were for IMDb ah. to get a sense. And there were not a lot of episodes in the nine range. Oh, that's insane. Cause but, most of them are <laughs> like, like most of the episodes are seven to eight type of range in that's that weird. decimal 
variable. This is like a nine point two, nine point. Like it's such a solid episode. Like it's, it's a, such a hard sweet, memorable one. I I can't think of an episode of Cheers where it's not. Oh yeah, that's the other thing. I wouldn't give. I think even the worst Cheers is probably still a seven at oh, the seven, lowest. Se- like seven point oh, worst episode yeah. of Cheers. Yeah, probably. <sighs> yeah. Um. I, like. There, like, there are different. Um, it depends what I'm rating it on. On, I think that the fact that we get to explore a character like Cliff, yes, and, and, so minor, and explore not like his desires, but like also kind of his psyche and what made him who he was, and like, yeah, and, and it's not afraid to explore like how like he's an insecure guy and (laughs) and finds this like point of reference to connect with a human being in a romantic way (laughs) it's so deep that's so profound (laughs) (laughs) like i I, like i want this story (laughs) for everyone yeah, uh, adapt like, it to your so, real life, people. So delicate and caring. Oh, nice. So this is like a perfect episode, basically. It, like, <laughs> wait, like, like, I don't have a reading, but it, like, it's perfect. <laughs> yes. Uh, so the NBC Thursday night lineup that this aired as yes. part of was The Cosby Show, Family Ties, and then Cheers and Night Court, and then okay. Hill Street Blues. Okay. So that's a good, like, that's a solid, solid must-see TV lineup. You got two family sitcoms, like, you got two workplace sitcoms, and then, and then the drama. Off. Cop it t- top it off with cops. Yeah. That's like solid. Uh, and then I also wrote down that Bernadette Burkett plays uh, Sharon O'Hare, the Tinkerbell, and she is George Wentz, IRL wife, and they are still married. And she also was the voice of Vera every time we heard Vera. That makes me so happy. Yeah. I I want to imagine when they were going over lines together. Oh, I mean, normally, I mean, George was pretty excited. Yeah, like, also, like, I love that George one gives John Ratzenberger a pep talk about seducing his, his real life. life. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay, so, music in this episode. Yeah, yeah, there's a song that plays that they dance to that I shazammed and tried to figure out what it was, and it, like, doesn't really exist. So I'm assuming you watched the Netflix? Yes. Okay. They had to, like, they couldn't license all the music for that. So uh. the sh- on Netflix, that is not the song they dance to. But if What do they dance to? They dance to one of my favorite songs, probably in existence, which is Moon River. Oh, God. So imagine them dancing to Andy Williams singing Moon River. Which you never would expect to be on the Cheers jukebox. Now I am like, I want to see the uncut scene. So you can go on YouTube for not like when they're first dancing, but the last scene when Sam kind of positions them together. He who's lines them together by like moving their hands, which is adorable, and also yeah. you get a full body shot of Ted Danson. Yeah. So you, <laughs> really, you really get to be fam- become familiar with how long <laughs> the length of his, <laughs> his legs are, and it's not an optical illusion. 
<laughs> that song is, it, it just fits so yeah. much better with like that kind of connection. And you can look it up on YouTube. Just like, yeah, I'm going to do that. Yeah, because it. it's Because, like, the song they dance to is just, like, a generic... I mean, it has lyrics. It's, like, a song song, but, like, I shazammed it. It's obviously something that was created by a, like, rights-free music yeah, company. Totally. That just it's does, like, oh, yeah, it's probably popped up in a bunch of other things. <laughs> but, so, like, no, watching them dance to... Like, Moon River, that's solid. Uh, and so romantic. And, like... But watching this, I guess, like, the down vote I would have with this episode is that I didn't get to see more of that relationship. That's, yeah, that's the, because I remember, like, watching this first time, I was like, oh, I can't wait to watch the next episode. And then, nope. No, it's, like, completely forgotten. I want to know, like, there had, because Cheers also was one of the shows that pioneered the ongoing plotline in sitcoms. So it is so weird that that would not have crossed their mind, especially because it's George Wendt's wife. So they probably did see her all the time. And she also voiced Vera. So she was around. So it is so weird that it didn't cross their minds. Or I want to know, like, maybe John Ratzenberger was like, no, I want to keep playing Cliff as single. Uh, like he might have, it might have been a choice that, like, Next time I run into him in an airport, because he's hey, in man. airports meeting people, I will confront him. So who had the must-see performance in this episode? Like MVP? Yeah. Of the show? Because I've thought a lot about this question. Because every, I mean, everyone is playing, like, peak those characters. Oh, yeah. They all know who they are. Yeah. Which is like, okay, okay, so you... That was handed off to you. Like, you, you got that. Like, you can trust the writers. You can trust the environment. And, and then John Ratzenberger is, like, just so fantastic and on point. But then I think, oh, but, but it, like, can he be the MVP if he's the star? Like, when, like, you already know writers are catering to him. Oh, yeah. But then they're like, well, who are the people who provide that flavor that without cheers, like it wouldn't be a cheers episode. Yeah. And I mean, I love, love that the episode focuses so much on cliff and he sells it in his physical comedy. When (laughs) she goes to the pool room and he's like, Holy God. And like, yeah. And and his knees buckle. Like, it's like, Oh, you were born to play this. But, like, we all, all of us as viewers know this is your episode. But I, I want to say that Carla oh. is not featured in this episode. She does not have a plot. She only has one-liners. But those one-liners are so purely Carla. They're great. And, and without them, you'd feel like something was lacking. And and there's that point in uh, where you know it it's the day after, yeah. Where Norm is trying to get things out of Cliff, and then Carla shows up and says he wants to know if you boinked her, you dink. (laughs) One sounds like pure the good place dialogue. Yeah, yeah, it totally is. Yeah. But, the, like, there's just something, like, you fucking, you nailed, like, this is where he lives. Yeah. And so I'm going to say that's my 
MVP. Nice and surprising. Mine is obviously Cliff. I am predictable. Uh, I mean, because he cares. Yeah, because also, yeah, I can't. I think he's probably my musty performance scenario. Uh, <laughs> uh, must must other people see this episode? I think if you haven't seen this episode yet, what are you doing? I like you've got to see it. It shouldn't be their introduction to the show. Also, no. you need an introduction to the show. What the fuck, man? Like, why this is the only show? Cheers? This is one of the only shows where you could start with up, just start with episode one and don't skip anything. It's so rare that most shows like start with episode two, just like or like, or you know, like go, to, go to season two. There's yeah, so like, many, but like this is like no, just start. Just like, and then you'll and, hit and this if you one. started from this, you would know everything about every character. And you also get to see Cliff uh, at quite possibly his his high moment, the best moment he has in the entire series, probably. <laughs> right? Like, I mean. There's a lot of peaks and valleys, but, like, this is him at, like, he's good, and people like him, and he's doing good. Hey, what's up with that? I'm, uh, I don't know if our listeners can tell, but I've had, I've had a significant amount of (laughs) (laughs) rosé. As is the tradition with Cheers. It it has Uh, to be. Yeah. Where can people find you on the internet if they want to talk to you about Ted Danson's legs? Oh my god. Okay, well, I'm, you, I want everyone to listen to Aaron Gold's podcast, Don't Mind If I Don't, when we were on that, because around minute 32, I uh, become obsessed with to dance with legs. Yeah. <laughs> not, not the first time. Uh, but like, if you, I'm on Reductress. I've written articles. I'm writing some new ones, which is exciting. Yes. Angela Marie DeManti. Uh, and I've been doing meal prep and planning for people interested in vegetarianism Ooh. and baking. But, but but just look up someone in a tree, Angela DeManti, and you'll find all my links. Thank you so much for coming by. Digitally. Wow. Great. And that does it for this week's episode of Must Have Seen TV Special Spooky Cheers Edition. Before we go this week, I do have a question I want to just talk about for a second with an answer-shaped string of words. Uh, (laughs) Former guest of the show, Brandon Beck, asked on Twitter, oh, and also you should go back and listen to the I Dream of Genie episode that he guested on last year. Do you have any sitcom deal breakers? Like if a sh- if you try a show and they do something like a type of joke, a music cue, etc., that makes you immediately go, "Yeah, no thanks. This isn't for me." Uh, yeah, probably. I will say that usually if it's a family sitcom, I'm gonna be a little bit wary, just because I don't care for like precocious kids and their hijinks. Um. Also, if it is the typical, like, fat husband, model wife dynamic, I just haven't checked in on any of those. I don't know. Maybe King of Queens or is Yes, yes Dear isn't that format. It's kind of schlubby dudes. Uh, or um, what was the one with Mark Addy? Oh, God. Um, still Standing? That Was that the Jason Alexander one? Anyway, there was a bunch. I don't care for any of those (laughs) and also if it sounds like the audience is aggressively fake there are a lot of shows this is definitely true of mostly the 60s 
is that the audience, the laugh track is literally a laugh track. It is actually canned laughter, which is why in the 70s with Mary Tyler Moore and Bob Newhart, there was this push towards actually saying this was filmed in the form of a live studio audience. Same thing as with Cheers and Friends and Frasier and shows that you can actually feel like the audience is a part of it. It's why that 70s show, I remember being in middle school and being like, that 70s show is weird because the audience laughs at every, like literally everything. And now I realize it's because there was no audience. And also the reason that How I Met Your Mother rings a little bit false with me. I think I would prefer that show without a laugh track. The second sub-question of this, the same question for shows you like, is there something a show can do that makes you go, yes, please? Honestly, nowadays, that is cast people that I like in it. That's why I'm enjoying shows like Happy Together in the Neighborhood and The Cool Kids because I loved New Girl. So I'm going to follow Max Greenfield and Damon Wayans Jr. everywhere. And Cool Kids has Martin Mull and Vicki Lawrence and David Allen Greer and Leslie Jordan. So I'm going to watch those shows. Also, if it is a found family show, I'm going to be a little bit more inclined to watch it. I'm, But I, I think I tend to follow creators. It sounds like I'm talking about comic books. I'm talking about like showrunners. Like I watched The Good Place because I trusted Mike Schur, even though I don't really have an affinity for Kristen Bell. I do now, though. She's amazing. So if a creator I like goes on to do a show, I will probably be interested in it for that reason. So creators and actors. But yeah, thank you for that question. If anyone else has any more questions about sitcoms, please send them to at must have seen TV on Twitter or Gmail must have seen TV at gmail.com. Next week on the show, I will be discussing, I swear I promise, the Andy Griffith show, The Loaded Goat episode. The Loaded Goat is in season three. It is episode 18 of the Andy Griffith show, and you can watch the Andy Griffith show on Netflix. This is a wild one that I've been holding on to for way too long and I cannot wait to explode it all over your ears and devices. If you like what you've heard, please I beg you to rate and review the show on iTunes. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at, at Brett White. Read the words that I write at Decider.com The theme song this week is The Anxiety Tango by Vic Mizzy from the Adams Family soundtrack. Thanks to the Acast or just thanks to ACAST for hosting the podcast. Thanks to you for listening, and I will see you next time on Must Have Seen TV. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.